0: The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, episode 45. Janet West, Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we
1: go. We are about to try to make a connection.
0: All we gotta do is bust out of here,
2: commandeer the ship, and fly on home.
1: Pete, You say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous, but this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to love we going.
0: Hi, I'm Jack Barryszini and you're listening to The Secrets of Stargate where we talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series and more. And joining me today are Lisa Jones. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Jack. Today we're discussing the third episode of season 2, Fair Game. Do you want to give us a rundown on this episode, Victor?
2: Absolutely. It's promotion time for now Major Samantha Carter, but just as Jack is about to Deliver his epic promotion speech, he is beamed up to Thor's, Supreme Commander Thor's, Asgard spaceship. Thor notifies Jack that the Gould are on their way. They will be sending a force of 100 motherships to destroy the Earth. This is due to SG-1's recent takedown of Hathor, unless they sign on to the Asgard and the Gould's Protected Planets Treaty. Jack doesn't know what this involves, but Thor quickly puts him in, in charge of the negotiations, and soon three Goulds are knocking on Earth's doorstep to negotiate the treaty. There are ins and outs, intrigues, attacks, and backstabbings, and it looks like Earth may be in danger of giving up their Stargate for good. But this is not to be. Jack and SG-1 save the day, and the Earth is saved, and we will talk about how that happens in Yay. this episode of Secrets of Stargate <laughs> a little bit more because a lot happens.
0: Yeah, it was a pretty, a uh, pretty jam packed episode. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. What were your thoughts on it, Lisa?
1: Well, I think it, I think it's a really great episode that ties together so many kind of threads they have pulling. And since we got rid of Apophis, allegedly we got rid of Hathor. And so we need to kind of get some new Big bad ghouls out there, and so we get introduced to three really awesome, fun ones. And uh, we've—I think we've heard of Near T, but not of Kronos and you. And uh, who? Me. I, <laughs> Me? <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I like the—I like all of the. I mean, you, this is not one that you can say there was not much plot, just a lot of running around, shooting, or something. It was, like you said, jam packed with plot, moves it along, kind of sets us up for. This season and future, um, with the return of the Asgard and rumors of even worse people than the Gould, Mm-hmm. which we do get to meet.
0: Nice. I'm excited that that's actually a a thread that gets paid off because that's kind of mm-hmm. that's one of those things where shows will often drop something like that, kind of like the uh, those like the worm things from um, early Next Generation that they never really went anywhere with and they just turned it into the Borg. But it's nice to see something like that actually get played out and paid off
1: yeah not like the furlings
0: yeah exactly yeah (laughs) what about you victor
2: well i'm furling that this is a great episode this is actually i think like one of my favorite episodes and one of like the two like there's two platonic ideals of the like ideal episode of stargate for me one is when there's something sciencey happened happening and they they figure out what it is and then they either have to shoot it or blow it up with a bomb and uh, <laughs> that was like a matter of time where they had like the really deep like wormhole episode, but then they just blew it up with a nuclear bomb um and then the the other kind is when there's like some some big kind of political intrigue between mm. different factions in space and there's spaceships involved in some way. And so in this one, we do get uh you know the universe the stargate universe is uh, is expanded in this because we we learn a lot more about the Gould system lords. We learn a lot more about the Asgard. We learned that the, you know, the, the show universe of Stargate is is bigger than just the Milky Way galaxy, you know, because the Asgard uh, make reference to their home galaxy in this one. um And, uh, you know, this this previously, you know, this faction, the Asgard that we thought were, you know, omnipotent could just erase the gold with a with a, you know, a big spaceship eraser. They're actually uh, they have other, you know, going concerns and stuff and can't do that. And so Earth actually seems to be hanging in the balance uh, for much of this episode,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, which is good. And and we get a lot of really good uh, Jack humor. And uh, the best kind of Jack humor is Jack and Thor humor. And we get a lot of that.
0: Yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I like that we uh, with the treaty that they're working out between the gold and um, Earth that you don't really like the Asgard are on Earth's side, but they're not just. They don't come across as just benevolent, like, you know, that they have their own cards to play. So it's nice to see that there's no like no one is doing this just out of altruism. And I like that you get those shades of gray with the different factions going on.
2: Yeah, and you do get the sense that we'll get to the set that maybe the Asgard needs the humans to keep the ghouls busy because they they do have something else going on. Right. And yeah.
1: Yeah. It's also nice that when we last saw them, or it was the last time, you know, and then they just wiped out all the gold on the planet, you know, their ship comes in and zaps them. You know, so it was kind of cool to see their, we talked about their show of force, right? And mm-hmm. how nice their uh, ships were and everything else. But again, something Stargate does so beautifully, they give us this promise of, wow, this is amazing, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it won't cure your problems. You still mm-hmm. got problems. They can't fix it for you. So we still have to fight them and we still have to move forward, which just you know, keeps the show going.
0: Yeah, definitely. I like that. I also like that we see Gould, who are not based on Egyptian mythology, like they're branching out. Mm-hmm. We get yeah. the, the Greeks and the, uh, the Chinese mythology coming in. So it's cool to see them bringing in all those different threads. I really like that.
1: Yeah, that was nice.
0: Yeah, we get the big trouble in Cheyenne Mountain,
2: Gould. Yep. There. <laughs> <laughs> not quite low pan, but yeah, yeah. And the first, the first of many. And if you think the the hey you or hello you jokes
0: are done, they're not. Nice.
1: No, yeah. <laughs> we get to see you again.
0: Yeah, I liked his character oh, because nice. he he comes across almost like he's on the side of the humans. Like he's not outright hostile. Mm-hmm. Like he was much more ambiguous than the other two, where they just seemed yeah straight up hostile. So I like. I like how they played him and I think he's, he seems pretty interesting. I don't know if they play that out later in the show, but I like how that Mm -hmm. was done.
2: It kind of, yeah, they, they, they do. It's kind of like Earth is his animal crossing town kind of, you know, and he doesn't want to see it messed up necessarily. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He's, he's had a hand in kind of like charting their development, but you know, so he doesn't want to see someone come in and wreck it. But at the same time, I mean, it is just kind of his animal crossing town.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, I think it was you, Jack, that first season you were saying you wanted them to really get into the why, like mm-hmm. develop the Gould a little bit more as to why they do these things, how they think. And I think you kind of gives us, <laughs> I mean, he's not, yeah. not perfect, but because us a little bit more, you can see his logic. He's not just like, I'm going to kill you all because I'm evil. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they are able to reason with him a little bit and get out of it with the treaty. And um, that works for them a little later on, but he does have his own self-interest. Yeah. But, but as long as they align with ours, you know,
0: right, exactly. <laughs> and you get that with the uh, the Asgard too. like, they're not here just to take care of people. They're they're playing their own game.
2: Yeah. And they make that very explicit, I think, at the end of this season or, or, or the next season when when they do enlist Earth's help. And this is the first of this is not the last time Jack or members of the SGC just kind of get beamed up in the middle <laughs> yeah. of a sentence by the Asgard. And it's always it's always to comedic effect, which so it's always kind of wonderful when it happens. It's like a little running gag, but nice. not one that mm-hmm. they not one that they overdo.
0: Yeah, I no. like how he starts off his speech with I'm a man, a few words, and then he just gets and then, beamed up.
2: And, and in conclusion. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah, that was good. And I like. Uh, I've been impressed with the puppet work on the Asgard in this show mm-hmm. like they do a good job of yeah. that. like it's it's good to see practical effects like that and also the expansion of the sets like i know later on we get more and more of those spaceship sets so it's fun to see something that's spaceship based on this
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah and not just the puppets in this episode but the integration of like cgi with the puppets because yeah. there is a scene where where uh and you'll notice that the asgard always kind of beam down in their chair like they're their puppetry rig tra- yep. chair chair. Uh, but in this one, like Thor gets up out of his chair, walks across and, you know, this is, you know, twenty, two twenty three 23 years ago, CGI animation on, you know, cable television. And it's integrated very well with the puppet work. Like it's not jarring. Like now you look at, you can look at it and say, Oh, it's CG versus puppet, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it works very well. Uh, it, it it keeps the, you know, the model is intact and stuff and it just works very well.
0: I was a little bit hoping that we'd just see him be a puppet the whole time and you get the handsticks, and would pick up a banjo and start playing Rainbow Connection. <laughs> that would've been fun. We're going to Hollywood.
2: <laughs>
0: the great Asgard Come on, Jack. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but th- that was good. And I like you were saying, I like these political intrigue episodes that mm-hmm. expand the universe and you get these different factions playing against each other and how you really see that Earth is small player in this and they're kind of just everyone's punching bag or pawn and it's kind of the it's kind of like star trek flipped on its head where instead of the humans being the face of the federation and the most powerful force who's going out and making first contact earth is this planet who's getting used by everyone else
2: but more than that they're like this catalyst like there's been this established galactic order that's preserved for like you know who knows how many thousands of years And then all of a sudden Earth activates their Stargate and suddenly the balance of everything changes because Earth is out there like, you know, FSU, you know, and just messing things up wherever they go and disrupting the galactic order, which is a very, you know, human thing
0: to do. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) More of them sticking their nose in and just gating to wherever and seeing what happens. Yeah.
0: And it's almost like. They're like a resource that the ghoul need because they need hosts. And so mm-hmm. it's nice to see like that, that disruption that you get there.
1: hosts and slaves, yeah. according to the treaty. Mm-hmm. That's their purpose. Yeah, I like that. This is the first time we've heard about the gold system lords, right? From the Tok'ra and from Teal'c. But this is where we really got to see how they work with each other. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about their personalities and how, like we said, I just want to kill you and enslave you and because I'm evil. So how do they work together if they're all out for themselves? Right. And so now we know it's a very dysfunctional group that are all out for themselves, but try not to anger each other so much that they all fight.
0: Right. They have that delicate balance where they all want to rebel against each other and take over, but they can't because they know if one of them tries, the other ones will team up on them. And so Mm -hmm. it's just out of the fact that they don't want to get destroyed, that they're actually in this alliance, which is very fragile.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and like they said, they're just trying to keep one from becoming all powerful. Mm-hmm. Cause if one becomes all powerful, then it, it, the whole system Lords, it falls apart. Right. And,
2: and considering yeah. that they are all lying, scheming, no good for nothing, slimy overdressed style mongers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And yet Jack wasn't finished.
1: <laughs> I love know. know how
2: he's interrupted in that. He's yeah. like, and I wasn't finished.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: I'd like to know what the rest of that uh, that tirade was. That'd be good to hear.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just keep it going. I want to get that on a mug, too. That'd be that'd be good merch yeah. for us. <laughs> um, yeah,
2: Jack, like Richard Dean Anderson, and like, you know, this is a Robert C. Cooper written episode. And like, Jack has seemed like in the past few episodes, he seemed kind of like, you know, catatonic, not catatonic, but, you know, like <laughs> subdued. Yeah. And this like, like Jack is just like the epitome of Jack jackness he's just like firing on all cylinders mm. especially like his scenes with with thor you know where thor is being very cagey about what the humans should do you know jack's trying to like you mm. know give me a
0: sign here type thing yeah uh i thought that was very well done it's also funny that thor who's met jack several times at this point and knows his personality i would assume somewhat still chooses him to be the representative <laughs> for earth in these negotiations knowing <laughs> what uh loose cannon he can be with his mouth.
1: He's yeah really the only or I mean, he's the only one he's really
0: true.
2: Yeah. Met. Well he he met Thor met uh Sam and Daniel, the hologram Thor met Sam and Daniel in the cave right. where they solved the mist puzzles. Mm-hmm. And then um I don't know that he's actually met Jack because on the Asgard planet oh. where he had the ancient knowledge sucked on him, it yep. could have been like any Asgard there. That's true. And they even it's say sure like kind him. of at the beginning it's like, oh it's nice to finally meet you. Mr. Thor.
0: Are you saying that all Asgard look alike?
2: Mm. Not to me. I mean, I know some people they do, but
1: <laughs> just depends. They, you know how they style their hair that day.
2: Yeah. When it comes to the Asgard, there's really like 50 shades of gray. So you just learn to differentiate
0: <laughs> between them. <laughs> I did see a, this is a bit of a tangent, but it has to do with the Asgard. Um, It was one of those those YouTube channels that does like the conspiracy theory alien videos and they have this this thing going through like the top 10 like pictures that prove aliens are real and one of the photographs is like in this like warehouse and like you can see the alien in the back here and it is literally one of the puppets from sg1 of the asgard
1: (laughs) oh no yeah
0: it's amazing (laughs) see one of the one of the big reveals we get in this episode is Teal'c's history with Kronos that his father was the first prime to Kronos and that he killed him uh, when he was able to, unable to win this unwinnable like battle. And at this point, I feel like they've had enough of these run-ins with Teal'c where they get some crucial piece of information <laughs> yeah. that is dealing with his psyche and how he's going to interact with people at a moment where it causes a lot of problems that... He really, really (laughs) needs to go to counseling and just work out his stuff.
2: Teal'c, why did you shoot up the mall? Santa Claus killed my brother-in-law. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, no. And then what's really inexcusable about this is that, like, Daniel doesn't tell anyone. It's like, oh, yeah. So Teal'c... Could potentially like pop off at any moment and like kill like one of the representatives of this like crucial to Earth tree. Well, um, you told me that in confidence. So, you know, I'm not going to pass that along to anybody yet. Exactly. Yeah.
0: I guess he's not a mandatory uh, reporter or something, but I feel like that's pretty crucial information. It's it's kind of like I feel like this is similar to how data became in Next Generation, where like every Every season, you get one episode where Data would just go haywire, or something would happen with him, where he'd like endanger the entire lives of the crew, and yet Picard is still like, "I trust him implicitly." It's like he tries to destroy you at least once a season. Why do you trust him still?
2: (laughs) My brother's in town. What?
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
1: See, and I love that they are continuing. See, the the character of Tilt to me could be just so one-dimensional, right? And I think a lot of shows it might have been, but. I feel like they just keep giving us a little bit more. They, they could have just played it off as, I was first prime, we fought with Kronos, I don't like him, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But then he gives this whole... Because Kronos killed his father, who was his first prime, he decided they had to flee to Chulak, and then he decided to be the best, toughest, strongest Jaffa ever, so that he could go into service as first prime for Kronos' evil enemy, and I don't know. I It's like... Yeah. They just they just yeah. keep giving us a little yeah. bit more rather than just being like, Yeah, we fought him. That is which I feel like is like first season Tilk, yeah. Right? That is
0: true, and I actually have to backtrack some of that because Tilk didn't actually do anything wrong in this. It was Mm-mm. uh Nirty used that as a lever against them to frame Tilk. And so really he right. even though he didn't tell anyone and it could be a potential problem, it didn't he none of the issues actually came from him.
1: Right. He kept control. Yeah. Right. Except for I love, love and what was wrong with General Hammond. Tilk, you're going to, you're going to cater to the Gould. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm thinking of all the people, right? Like, and then he goes, oh, okay, you can be on security. And it's like, really? You don't think that was the better idea from the start?
2: Yeah. Maybe Tilke, you set this one out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's that a maybe conflict he has of interest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's a ticket to Florida. Go, go see Disney World. You'll (laughs) like it.
1: Whereas then we wouldn't get Daniel's awesome line, right? I will see to the petty needs.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I really feel like that would be the job of some like airman or something just to take care of all that. You don't need your top people bringing them water bottles and stuff.
2: But only Daniel's going to know like what would appeal to a God and like what would be reasonable, you know, like. Yeah like from myth from mythology perspective ambrosia. and um yeah <laughs> yeah and it's just like marshmallows and jello right so uh, <laughs> what this is ambrosia no they uh and so they they have to agree to give up all their weapons and uh we get we get the scene of Chekhov's gould healing device being no 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 that's not a weapon you keep that over here all right you know so you're like okay so that's going to come back in at some point which it does Oh, you mean the cherry and danish then, yeah. <laughs> Jerry Danish. <laughs> but um, and then and then you get scenes like when the Gould are finally arriving, you get like the move, move, move through the corridor scenes. And like all the guards are carrying guns. And yeah. so like our our nine year old is like, wait, they're carrying guns. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. maybe they're like emergency evacuating the base because they didn't have three days notice that these people would be showing up. I don't know. It's just I think they used like stock footage from another episode of like. Yeah. Soldiers running through the base with guns. Yeah. It's a little yeah.
1: but then yeah. okay, so maybe I missed it. So then at the end when nearty grabs the gun, why was there a gun?
2: Because when Jack the turns gun? the tables on them, he says, okay. Here's another rule that I haven't broken yet. Okay. And the okay. soldiers come in with it. guns. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I was like I was I was emptying the dishwasher.
0: <laughs> yeah, because they come in to arrest them and so I guess they had some guns, they with, got the guns. in their back pocket, yeah. so to speak. I do like how, I know we talked about, um, the episode with the Ritu where that doesn't really go anywhere. I like that that is incorporated into this, where they talk about the Ritu being an enemy and they talk about how, when Nirti uses her invisibility device, that's kind of to fight against the Ritu. And so it Mm -hmm. kind of, you can kind of headcanon that maybe Nirti dealt with the Ritu and that's why you don't see them later on because they're just on that one plane.
2: Yeah. We we do yeah. know that near does capture people and like ex- or beings and experiment on them and mm-hmm. stuff. So it's possible that she like captured a few and then mm-hmm. like laid waste to the rest.
1: Yeah. She was successful in her experiment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I do also like, um, so we get that, that whole, the whole twist at the end is that she, she used her invisibility device to frame Kronos and Teal getting into that fight. Um, I like how as soon as they accuse her of that, she immediately turns it on just to yeah. prove them right. It's like, why don't you just not do that, and that's going to help your case a little bit. Oh, I didn't. Yeah,
2: I Oops. have to run to the bathroom, and if I don't come back, uh, it means I'm still in the bathroom. Yeah,
0: because <laughs> like, the, be- yeah, the best way to show you're not uh, guilty is when someone accuses you of lying to stand up and angrily yell at them.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, she she is a a ghoul, and and that's kind of their their thing. But I do like how they immediately grab the, um, I forget what they're called now, the the anti ritu like rods or whatever they're called, mm-hmm. and they like turn them on her and stuff. But I do like how when she's invisible and she's holding the weapon and she put the uh, the rifle and she puts the rifle down, the rifle is no longer invisible. That was how it worked, right? I mean, if she's no longer touching it, it would
1: become visible again. So yeah, yeah, in theory. And I like the way the background kind of moved a little bit. So even though you couldn't see her, you could kind of figure out where she was supposed to be.
0: Yeah, she's got the uh the predator uh, thing going on.
1: Yeah. That was a nice little touch. Yeah,
0: I liked that. I like how the uh the device, the anti Rutu devices are kind of like a flashlight. You just shine it, it's and you get the get the different spots. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. And I do like how they reuse that prop several different times for different kind of devices. They just flip it over and put different things on it. So it's always yeah. fun to see. <laughs>
1: Just add things. Yeah. I, I have to say, I loved her outfit. I felt like all the beading and that you just got the heft of it. And I thought that was after what we've seen with Hathor and I Emancipation, you know, some of the way they dress some of the women. I loved her gown. I thought that was very nice. Very mm. well done.
2: All the gowns look pretty good. Like yous and Cronus is also, I mean, it, it, <laughs> it
1: was just sheepskin. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And you're right. They did a good job, like, making sure it wasn't all like, oh, here's, like, you know, the denizens of King Tut's tomb back again. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, different. Yeah.
1: Diversifying. Right.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And the ghouls aren't all like, rawr, kill the humans. They all, you know, have some, like, reasoning and, you know, savvy behind them. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I was kind of sad that we never saw any. Well, I guess they came through the stargate so scratch that but i was thinking we never saw like any sort of standoff between their ships and the asgard but i guess they never actually got to earth so
1: true what'd you think of that and this is the first time we've seen the interior of the asgard ship right
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i thought it was it's cool i like uh i like seeing more of the different spaceships and i know we get more of that later on like with the data list and all that so i'm excited to yeah. yeah a
1: lot more asgard later too
2: I l- I like their beaming technology too. When they like beam someone up from Earth, it's not like a transporter beam that's instantaneous. There's like a little like kind of the rainbow, br- like the rainbow bridge. You know, kind of like it takes a while for like the little energy lip to get up to the to the ship.
1: It takes about as much time as O'Neill can give a speech.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that you see it from space. Like you see the ship, and then you see the little street going up. Yeah,
1: yeah. And the little communication device that he said. Put it on your hand and speak. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say maybe those are crystals, but later on we see a lot more crystals and those aren't them. Yeah. These like glowy rocks, like flat sided.
2: Yeah. uh, Those are like the ancient communication stones that they discover in the Pegasus galaxy. It's this exact same shape. Mm -hmm. So I think it's an Asgard application of the ancient communication stones, which. Then enable communication between Earth and Destiny and Stargate Universe. Hmm. Um, so they
1: all three shows.
2: Yeah, yeah. That, that it like notes that teardrop uh, shape of that communication stone because because it does factor in uh, quite a bit later on in SG One, Atlantis, and Universe.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I was thinking it was the uh, the Asgard Alexa or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just give them that to to chat with them
1: kind of expected when um thor showed up in the conference room i kind of and he just talked to o'neill mm-hmm. like never said yeah it's me thor or nothing he's just like looking at o'neill they're coming here you're gonna speak gotta go right you know yeah. I, and i, I kind of expected o'neill to turn around me like could y'all see him like was he you know thinking maybe yeah. it was a hologram or something else but because i think we've seen before where well I guess we see after this mm-hmm. well, one of them goes up but they're not actually there they're still where they are but you know
0: yeah
2: <laughs> and i do love how like jack like raises like very like sensible objections at various points and then like hammond or whomever will turn to him and say like well we're trusting the asgard based on your word he's like, like <laughs> oh, look i just met him. you know it's like, it's like the
0: guy.
2: I, look i have these objections like very sensible like yeah. precautions i want to take <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we get the Secretary of Defense there just kinda rolling over to all the gold's demands, like they're gonna give up the Stargate and not travel anymore. And it's like you're kinda just throwing everything out, like you you maybe wanna it, talk about that more. Like you already defeated one of them. You feel like you have some bargaining power.
1: And it, even almost bigger than that to me, that you agree not to technologically evolve. Yeah. To the point where they deem you're a threat.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, hold on a second. Let's think about that. They've already killed two ghouls. So are they they're a threat, threat or not? So they're already a threat. Well, if the system lords determine that they're a threat enough to make a treaty, then wouldn't they already be enough of a threat to violate the treaty? So I, it it yeah, it doesn't work for me. That would have been a big one. It's a, I mean it's
0: very nebulous, like a. The whole uh, extended uh, magazines on guns things like
2: exactly I was just thinking two yeah. way rights, yeah, it's like it's like yes, they're the right to bear arms, but not this particular trigger it's this trigger's okay, this trigger is not, <laughs> yeah, yes, you can print three d print this trigger, yeah, but we're not gonna you know
0: do anything about in that the, at real this point world, in that.
1: you would never agree to a contract like that, mm-hmm. never too vague,
0: and you think that they would be a bit more peeved off at the Asgard for kind of. All the none of those terms in that up. treaty were favorable to Earth,
1: <laughs> except for the one that says you can't blow up Earth. Yeah. Well,
2: one. I mean, that granting the passage to the passage of Nylor, I mean that's oh, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Gold <laughs> can use the passage of Nylor. I mean, that's nothing to. It's like the equivalent of that. letting your neighbor walk
0: through your backyard. I mean,
1: it's an easement. Yeah. Nylor. Yeah. An easement.
0: yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> like <laughs> you know, you give an inch, they're going to take a mile. These are not trustworthy uh, people.
2: But but the Gould really wanted that passage of Nylor because then they agree to it. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely we'll take the passage of Nylor. Gosh, you know. Just, you know, don't wave that under our noses. We'll bite at that <laughs> right away.
0: And I do like how we get that uh, first uh, scene in the conference room where Jack's pulling the chairs out for everyone. And then oh, yeah. uh, Thor just beams down in his big giant, uh, his uh, alien, a uh, lazy boy. I like that. Um. <laughs> And how there's no, he doesn't really coach O'Neill on this at all. He's like, all right, you're going to be the representative, but we're not going to have like any sort of prep meetings. You're just going to go in there blind. And then the first thing he says is going to offend them. Like he doesn't he's, yeah. he's not really there's he ends up being that helpful to the humans in this.
2: Yeah. Well, I think he sees Jack as kind of like a hand grenade. Like I'll just like light the fuse. Not that's what you do. <laughs> hang, but I'll just like light the yeah. fuse. Jack will do something. That'll be my opening gambit. Jack will get upset. He'll beam up to the ship. He'll do the thing from Galaxy Quest where he says, do you guys ever say one thing and me and the other, you know, like, you know, we'll have this discussion. So I think I think Thor knows what's going on. And his his whole thing is like, I need to get back to my galaxy like as soon as possible, because like this other threat is totally like eating us alive. So,
1: yeah. So you're saying Thor is much more of a master manipulator than he lets on. Oh,
2: absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's he's been manipulating humans for like thousands of years. Right. I mean, so that's true. Yeah.
1: Genetically and.
2: Uh, yeah. Genetically and otherwise. Genetically,
1: yeah. 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 Oh, and this was the first episode. Of Michael Shanks as Thor.
2: Yes. Yes. He finally yes. got there. <laughs> I don't think that was Michael Shanks, like crouched under the chair with his little hand, like stuck up in Thor's head <laughs> or something. But I think it's the voice. Definitely.
1: Definitely the voice. Fun yeah. fact,
2: that was
0: Frank Oz under the chair. No, I'm just kidding. Was I was about to say. Yeah. I guess at this point it'd be Brian Henson, but. Yeah. I don't know who did the yeah. puppets for this. And like, you know,
2: Vancouver based, like, puppetry A. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah. Puppets are, uh, I'm glad that then more recent. Star Wars shows have kind of brought that back cuz I feel like we lost that for a while. It's nice to see those practical puppet effects for, effects for aliens. So. Yeah, it's a it was a it was a good episode. It's nice to see the politics of the world get advanced and it's also nice to see you don't really get a a real resolution to this. It's more just they've kicked the can down the road a little bit. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Oh, what what are you talking about? They signed the Protected Planets Treaty. It's all good.
0: Kind of like the Treaty of Versailles. Protected. How that were well, that worked. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: It's all good.
0: <laughs> as as they say,
2: it's not a perfect galaxy. Yeah.
0: Peace in our time. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> awesome. Uh, did y'all have any other thoughts on this episode? No,
2: I think I think that's it for me.
1: <laughs> nice. <Yeah. laughs> me too.
0: Awesome. Well, we did have some uh, feedback. uh, Paul Leone on our episode on Show and Tell says on uh, YouTube, Ford and the Pegasus Asgard are both addressed in the SGA Legacy novel series. They're pretty good as far as media tie-in books go, and they might be worth checking out. I'll have to check those out. Um, have either of you all read any of the extended uh, Stargate novels or anything like that? No,
1: Mm-mm. that I, I that is interesting though because I haven't yeah. haven't thought about that
2: i i have not read those but i i find your views intriguing would like to subscribe to your newsletter for sure um it's yeah i mean if if i get a chance i'll i'll definitely uh look those up and read them otherwise uh we might have to bring in an
0: expert on the expanded universe there yeah definitely so i know i've read some of the star trek ones but i've not really dived into anything else as far as those go and on uh twitter we get captain mutant talking about our uh also, the episode Show and Tell, he said, he asked, what happens to the Ritu? They sounded like they were gearing up to be a major foe and then nothing. And that's that's kind of how I feel about it. I, I like the design of them. I like that they were different. They're non-humanoid and then they don't really go anywhere. But as we talked about in that episode, I think it was just a matter of probably budgeting.
2: Yeah, I wish I had a better answer for the captain of the mutants. But unfortunately, I do not.
0: <laughs> yeah. Although I will say they were effective in that episode but i'm glad they didn't kind of take them in yeah. the direction they went with um species 8472 and voyager where you saw way too much of them and they just the technology at the time was not good enough to do that kind of design so they did them in a clever way where you don't see yeah. them most of the time and it, it's kind of like jaws it works out when you don't see it
2: <laughs> or or better yet it's like suddenly we can appear as humans for no reason and now we are all human actors right. Right. And it's a good thing that SG1 doesn't have a very powerful enemy that they kind of overused initially that suddenly takes on human form for uh right. Yeah. The mm. replicators,
0: yeah. <laughs> oh you know, nice. Um Yeah. I've heard uh I've heard about those and I'm excited to see them. I know that there were some there were these robots in one of the more recent episodes of the book of Boba Fett, and I saw a lot of people online were referencing the replicators with those so they were like building a hut and they're these little like these oh little, like, okay robots, so
1: i had the same thought when i in back we were watching that episode my family and we all went replicators nice yeah
2: oh okay yeah my biggest regret is not buying one of the individual like plastic replicator blocks when it came up at an online auction for a very reasonable price
1: okay but... you've seen all those shows <laughs> you would have one of those in your house
2: like, oh, you're right. Yikes. Yikes. Yes.
1: Like, that's a nightmare
2: uh, uh, I, right? I do have advanced technology they would want to uh, assimilate.
0: That's right.
2: I, I, I have some trinium right here, as a matter of fact. They might go for those laser discs you have on no. the wall
0: behind you. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I always uh, it's always fun to see what comes up on those prop auctions and most of the time, it's way out of anything I could reasonably spin, but still cool to see.
2: And if you want uh, uh, Richard Dean Anderson's fake uh, Jaffa stomach from Hathor, I did see yeah. that one come up on a
1: no. that, <laughs>
0: on a site you recently. You said,
1: like, a warning when you posted that picture. That was so <laughs> gross.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so.
2: Everybody needs a prosthetic stomach, right?
0: I mean, why not? big <laughs> Yeah. You could use it to serve like queso at your parties <laughs> or something. Yeah. <laughs>
2: or, or if you have a quado, it could just be like, Quaid. that's a, uh, uh, what's that Mars movie, uh, that Arnold Schwarzenegger was in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Total recall. Total recall. Yeah. 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 Nice. We can remember it for you. Wholesale was the, uh, was the
0: story, but nice. <laughs> awesome. Um, Yeah, before we'd like to go, we'd like to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create The Secrets of Stargate, including John Z., Jeff F., Scott S., Danielle H., and Morgan N. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Stargate and all the shows at Starquest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Be sure to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. To find previous episodes of Secret to Stargate and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com stargate. You can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. You can also join the StarQuest fan club mailing list by texting StarQuest to 66866. Send StarQuest to 66866. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1 Legacy. Until then, Lisa Jones, thank you, for, thank you for joining me and sharing the secret to Stargate. Thanks, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you as well.
2: Thanks, Jack, and your idea of accommodation is pitiful.
0: I'm Jack Brazini, and once again, <laughs> thank you for listening to the secret to Stargate on Starquest.
1: Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think?